Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message.
again. Thank you, Lord, for doing a great and wonderful work in me, Jesus. Well, we're going to go into the word today, and I pray that the word that the Lord has given me will bless you and encourage you. We're operating under the theme, completing the task. This is this goes along with our previous themes. I think two years ago, we talked about the shift uh, that was taking place. And then last year, we talked about now is the time. Uh, all of this relating to what God is doing in this day and this time that we're in. When we talked about shifting, we didn't realize what was going to happen with COVID-19 and the things that will that will take place uh, in the body of Christ, in the world and in the body of Christ. But the Lord spoke and, and, and we began to prepare ourselves uh, as we began to shift in the way that we did things so that we would be ready for what we didn't know, but whatever the Lord brought. And as the Lord impressed upon our spirit, uh, last year, now, now is the time for us to get engaged, get involved, get deeper involved in ministry. And now we come to this year and we're dealing with completing the task, completing the task. We focus in on what Paul says uh, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, as he is preparing to testify to the gospel of God's grace in Jerusalem. He's on one of his missionary journeys. Uh, his hope is to go to Spain. But before he goes to Spain, he has to go to Jerusalem. He felt bound, compelled by the Spirit, he said, to go to Jerusalem uh, to uh, finish the race and complete the task given him by the Lord Jesus to testify to the good news of God's grace there in Jerusalem. And then he would go on to Rome. Uh, so here we are. There are tasks that have been given to us. The greatest task is to testify to the gospel of God's grace. We cannot neglect that. That is not optional as we preached on last year, last week, excuse me. Uh, and it is for every believer. And we're working diligently in our sphere of influence to encourage every believer to get equipped, to get involved in the process of testifying to God's grace. Jesus, we believe, is soon to come. But even if he doesn't come in the next 10 years, we need to be engaged right now in testifying to the good news of God's grace, wherever we are and to whomever the Lord sends our way. We have to hear this. We have to embrace this. This is our task. This is our task. But that task also, completing the task, the theme also will encourage us and speak to us in everything we do, which will also cause us to be more diligent about being who we are in the Lord and doing whatever we do as unto the Lord. But we want to focus in on this task because Jesus will not come until this gospel has been preached in every nation, among every people groups, as a witness um, to all nations, to all people. Everybody has to have the opportunity in their nation, in their people group, in their language, uh, in their culture to hear the gospel of God's grace. We have to get busy in this task. So today we want to talk about overcoming distractions, overcoming distractions, staying on task, overcoming this distractions. All right. Father, thank you for this preaching moment. Thank you for your anointing. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you will anoint me afresh right now to speak your word to your people. Father, speak to me as I, as I talk tonight, uh, so that I will speak clearly. Uh, grant me your anointing so that I will uh, explain what needs to be explained and be thorough in what, where I need to be thorough. God, speak. Use me for your glory. Use this moment to reach your people. Lord, we yield to you. Speak, Lord, for your servants here. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it reads, Be alert, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, I'll read verse 9, resist him standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. 
the same kind of suffering. I want to go to also 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Peter is dealing with one type of suffering. Paul is dealing with another issue that has taken place in the church. And I want us to focus in on what he says here in verse number 11. Verse number 11. He says, well, I, I need to read verse 10 because that's a complete sentence. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware, the King James says ignorant, we are not ignorant, we're not unaware of his schemes. For we are not unaware of his schemes. And I, so I want to, I'm led to talk to you about overcoming distractions, overcoming distractions. It's, it's critical that we stay on task. If we're going to complete this task, that we stay on task. And it seems as we read what Paul wrote uh, in Acts chapter uh, 20, uh, verse 24, and I want to go back and read that because that's that's really a, 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 that focuses in on our theme. Paul says, and now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. All right. So as we look at all of this and we, we talk about overcoming distractions, the Apostle Paul was focused in on his task. He was staying on task. He was determined that nothing Satan sent his way was going to distract him. All right. And what we have to understand is that as we engage in life and in ministry and and saints um, as, as born again believers, our lives become ministry. OK, so whatever we do becomes ministry uh, and we have to see that we, we can't compartmentalize and separate everyday life from ministry. Our lives become ministry. We have to be aware that as we commit ourselves to completing the task, that distractions are going to come. Distractions are all around us and they don't just come. They are sent by Satan to deter us or to stop us from completing the task of testifying to God's grace, completing the task of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, completing the task of giving an answer for the hope that lies within us. All of that centers in on the gospel of the good news of God's grace. We've got to tell the world about Jesus. We've got to reconcile men and women, boys and girls, unto the Lord, or be the instruments of reconciliation. We have, and we through the, we do that through the proclamation of the gospel, testifying to the gospel of the good news of God's grace. As we talked about last week, we are all witnesses. We are to testify of how we have, ex have experienced Christ or God's grace and his grace in our lives. But distractions are all around us. And we see them. We can be distracted uh, by television, by radio, by street signs. We can be distracted by someone coming to have a conversation with us when we're focused in on, on doing a particular thing that the Lord has given to us. We can be distracted, distracted by trials, uh, by tribulations in our lives, by afflictions, by hurt, by pain, by the death of a loved one. All kind, kinds of things can become distraction for us. And Satan is looking for the opportunity to take an incident that happens in our lives and cause it to be a distraction to keep us from going forth to doing what the Lord has called us to do. S distraction is a, a major tool of Satan that he uses along with deception. And, and, I, and we say that deception is his master tool, but he uses distraction, as I said, to deter us from our God-given assignment. 
<clears throat> he uses destruction. As I was as I was thinking about Paul and and what he was saying here about uh, completing the task, finishing the race, and completing the task, one of the things that could have been a distraction for him was the fact that the Holy Spirit testified in every city that he went that imprisonment and and and, uh, and tribulations was, were waiting on him. Now, for a lot of people, if you hear that you're going to jail for preaching the gospel, then you may back off. Paul didn't allow the devil to cause that to be a, a distraction for him. He did not allow the tribulations that were going on that he would experience uh, that would happen to him in Jerusalem to, to stop him or to deter him from being committed to going to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, as you read on in the book of Acts, Paul actually goes to Jerusalem because that's where he was compelled by the Spirit to go. So he was committed to doing or to completing his task. His focus was on that, and he did not allow anyone or anything to deter him. When he was uh, later on in chapter 21 uh, of Acts, the prophet Agabus comes when he goes, I believe it is uh, to the next city, and Agabus, the prophet, comes and takes his belt and, and binds his hands and tells him that this is going, going to happen to the owner of this belt, to the person to whom this belt belongs in Jerusalem. The people begin to cry and weep and plead with Paul not to go, not to go to Jerusalem. But, but he asked them, why were they crying? He was determined. He would not allow that to be a distraction to him. So he overcame the distractions that were coming his way so that he could complete the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace in Jerusalem. And then he would go on to Rome uh, to preach in, in, in Rome, but he was imprisoned in Rome. His desire was to go to Spain. We're not sure whether he went to Spain or not, but but he his, his commitments to, to Christ Jesus was to complete the task. Yeah, yeah. So you look at Jerusalem, and he says that um, that 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 he was compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem to testify to the gospel of of God's grace. And you think about Jerusalem and 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 why he would be so compelled to to go to Jerusalem, uh, because in 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 Luke chapter. 13 verse 34, Jesus testified of Jerusalem that Jerusalem was a place that killed prophets and stoned those that were sent to them. And, 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 and so Paul is determined to go to this hot spot, but, but you think about Jesus, Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. Amen. And Paul said in, 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 in Philippians, he said, he wanted to know Christ and the fellowship of his suffering. And let me read that, that for you. I have it for another uh, chapter three. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know him, he says. I want to know Christ. Yes, in the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. So Paul knew that Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. Could this have been a motivating factor for him? But he wanted to go to preach the gospel of God's grace. In Jerusalem, the seat of Judaism, so that they would hear the gospel. He was committed to doing this. He was committed to doing this. And, and as I thought about this, and as I meditated on this, the Holy Spirit said to me that, that as we look at Paul's life, and we can see this in the other 
other disciples, other apostles, there's something in Paul uh, in his life uh, that that we need to that we need to model that we need to understand, and there's some knowledge that the Scripture gives us about this journey, about this this journey that we're on of testifying to the gospel of God's grace that we need to know if we're going to if we're going to overcome distractions and complete complete our task or stay on task. There are some things we need to know. And and the first thing that the Lord impressed in my spirit is the fact that there must be a real and serious commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that there has to be a real and serious commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ if we're going to complete our task, and you might say, well, well, Bishop, why would you say that when you're talking about people who are supposed to be testifying to the gospel of God's grace? Well, think about it. Think about it. Think about the number of people that we have in our congregations and the number of people who will stand up and proclaim the gospel, even if they don't have the title minister or elder. Or the people who who understand and are willing to talk about the good news of God's grace. And so to complete, to avoid distractions, to get to the end, it starts with a real genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I am not judging anybody. I am just talking about what I'm talking about. You need to be your own judge as to whether your relationship with Christ is real or not, okay? Um, Paul was committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. His relationship with Christ was real, it was personal, and it was serious. You look at Paul. Paul didn't just join the Christian movement. (laughs) I hope you caught it. He didn't just join the Christian movement. He was born again by the Spirit of Almighty God. He met Christ on the road to Damascus. So, you know, we get in today, and the struggle among believers is that, and among people who are part of the church, is that people join the church. And they may not necessarily have a a, a relationship to the Lord. They may not necessarily be born again. People join from various reasons, but if we're going to take on this task, which is ours, which is every believer's task, and we're going to complete it, it starts with a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that's maintained over the course of the years. All right, we started a conversation today that you will hear this week. You need to tune into TOP Talks, uh, and you'll hear some things about maintaining the fire. But this this boy this all boils down to this because there is a serious problem with workers in the Lord's vineyard. There's a serious problem with, with harvest workers. There are people who are members of the church. There are people whose names are on the church rolls. There are people who pay their tithes and give their offerings and they will sing in the choir. They will usher. They will serve as a deacon or a trustee. They will, they will serve on committees. But being committed, being, being committed to Christ, having a serious commitment to Christ, like Paul's had to say, for Christ I live and for Christ I'll die. I'll die. That serious commitment to Christ that will push you to testify to the gospel of God's grace, wherever you are. You know, not just going to Africa because you may not get to Africa, but you can get to York. (laughs) You can get to your job. You can get to Walmart. You can get to Publix or, 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 or to the city park. You can get there. You can get to your family reunion. Yes, wherever you are. Your commitment to testify to the gospel of God's grace is directly tied to your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul didn't 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 join didn't just join the Christian movement. 
Paul met the Lord. Paul had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was headed to Damascus when we first meet him. His name is Saul, and we meet him as he stood by while Stephen was stoned to death by Jews. The Bible said they laid their feet at, a, at their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. Then in, in chapter 19, and I won't read all of this, 19 of Acts, go back and read it just to refresh yourself. Um, is it? No, 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 no. Not chapter 19. Let's see here. Where are we? In chapter 9. Chapter 9 of Acts. Um, yeah, he was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, got permission, got permission uh, for letters to the synagogue in Damascus. So that if he found anybody in the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, as I was reading that, I felt the impression of the Holy Spirit when I asked the question early on about why Paul was so uh, so um, focused on going to Jerusalem. Well, you know, he was a Jew. He was a Jew. And when he was persecuting Christians, he was in Jerusalem. So now he's been born again. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's been planting churches everywhere in the then known world. Well, not everywhere. You know how we say phrases, but I don't mean everywhere. Uh, he'd been on a four missionary, three missionary journey, was going on the fourth, and he needed to get back to Jerusalem where this thing, where this started at, where this started, where he was persecuting the Christian. So now where he was a persecutor, he will go back as one who is a profound and un uh, relenting supporter of the cause of Jesus Christ because he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And I won't read that. That may take a little bit more time to read, but you have it. Acts chapter 9, where he meets the Lord. He's on his beast, headed to Damascus uh, to find Christians uh, and, and bring them bound to Jerusalem so that they can stand trial and be, be persecuted, maybe killed for their faith. And he met the Lord. The Lord knocked him off of his beast and asked him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And that's the encounter. And it goes on. You can read it. I want to I want to move on this morning. You can go back and read it. So, so his conversion experience was very real. He was knocked off of his beast. He heard the Lord speak. The men with them saw the a bright light shone, shone around him. They, they saw the bright light, but they didn't hear the voice. The voice spoke to Paul. He was blinded. This was a dramatic experience that Paul had. Now, your born-again experience may not be as dramatic as Paul's was, but you need to know that you've been born again. You need to know that you have met the Lord, that you've been saved. You need to know it. It needs to be real for you. It has to be, mine was real for me. I joined the church when I was 10, but but I met the Lord later on in life. I heard the gospel when I was 10. I believed I wanted to be baptized. I wanted to be a Christian at the age of 10. And other experiences came later on, but you got to know this has, this has to be real. This has to be genuine. Or you won't make it through. You won't make it to the end. You will give up. Too many trials, too many tribulations will come your way. You will give up if it's not real. It has to be real. When you read Paul's writings, you read in his writings that this was real for him. His relationship with the Lord Jesus was real for him. In 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, Paul says to the, to the Corinthians, follow me as I follow Christ. Philippians chapter 3, again, I read that earlier. Philippians chapter 3, as he talks about knowing Christ and the, and the power of his resurrection and the, and the fellowship of his suffering, he said that 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 he uh, he didn't count himself to have apprehended 
but this one thing he did, forgetting what was behind him and reaching forth to that which was before him, he said, I press toward the mark for the high calling of God, an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's a prize for the toward the mark for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It was real for him. It was real for him. And then in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he talks about the task that the Lord Jesus gave him. He didn't get it from Ananias. He didn't get it from Peter. Excuse me. Excuse me. This task, he said, came from the Lord Jesus Christ. It was personal. It was personal. His relationship with the Lord was personal. A second thing, the second that, the thing that is important in, in overcoming distractions, because I said distractions are going to come. They're going to come. They're all around us. As I was preparing today, um, we had someone want to come by and see my wife. It was a wonderful thing, but that meant that I had to take my attention away from what I was doing, amen, to, to, to help take care and prepare for guests that were coming by the house. Distractions. Some they don't have to be evil distractions. It can be anything that will distract you. They're going to come. They're going to come. But but the Lord began to impress upon me from the scriptures that we read a second thing, and that was alertness. Uh, a second area of alertness is that uh, that is key. Actually, deals with believing and knowing that the devil is real. Whew. You say, well, we've been hearing this all of our lives. We know the devil. Do you really know? Do you really believe? Do you really believe that he is real? And he's real with a purpose. The devil is real and he's real with a purpose. That means he has purpose in what he's doing. It's evil purpose, but it's purpose. It's his purpose. And we got to know that Satan is real. He is not he is not uh, a, a, a figment of anybody's imagination. He is not a figure that the church came up with to scare people into accepting Jesus. He's not a man in a red suit with a red tail and a red pitchfork. He's not that. Satan is a fallen angel. He's a fallen angel. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, uh, he, he was an anointed angel in heaven, a covering cherub. His, his job and his name was Lucifer. He was uh, in Isaiah chapter 14, I believe is uh, chapter 28. Uh, Isaiah describes him. Uh, he was beautiful, bright and shining. His name even relates to that. All right. Um, and, 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 and his, his, he was, he was, Apparently, one who was at the throne of God, who who uh, Dr. Evans in his book talks about this and says he watched over and proclaimed the glory of God. But in that position, Satan began to want God's position. He wanted the glory that God had, and he rebelled against God, and a third of the angels in heaven rebelled against God, and that judgment was immediate. God casts him out of heaven immediately. He's real. Satan is real. And Satan is angry. He is angry with God. He hates God. And consequently, he hates God's program. And he hates the people of God who, who are engaged in advancing God's program. And he's out to stop us. He's out. Peter says, be watchful, be sober. Your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Yeah, that's what Satan is doing. He's after you, he's after me, but you gotta know that he's real. If you don't know that he's real, you won't deal with him like he's real. You won't deal with the trials and the tribulations and the, and the attacks of the enemy like they are real from him. You'll just think, well, as people say, that's mother nature. You know, uh, that happened by accident. That's by chance. That's a freak of nature. You know, freak, freak, freak. Nope. Satan is real. And we've got to know that Satan is real. Revelation 
chapter, tw chapter 12, verse 12. Uh, and I want to read this because it speaks to him being angry. And you, join us in our Bible studies and you'll learn some things about this. Uh, verse 12, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. This speaks of the end time. And he says he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. But when you think about what he, what he lost when he was kicked out of heaven, cast out of heaven, with no opportunity to repent, fallen angels couldn't repent. And you see what he's doing. You see the war that he's waging against the kingdom of God. You know that he is angry with God. He wants to defeat God. He can't do it. As a matter of fact, on the cross of Calvary, Jesus has already defeated him. He is a defeated foe. Yes. But he's still waging war because his time is not up. So he's going after as many people as he can. He's getting as many people as, as he can. We must believe that. We, we've got to believe it because a lot of times we act like we do not believe that Satan is real. We buy into, and the world has done a good job of making Satan look like a cartoon character. He's not a cartoon character. The world has done a wonderful job. Television, and, 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 and while well, Satan is behind media, that's one of the seven mountains, amen, that, that needs to come under the authority of Jesus. Amen. But, 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 but he is behind this and he does everything he can to try to deflate his evil image in the minds of people so people do not take him seriously. Satan is real. And he must be taken seriously. I want to move on to the third point, uh, because if we get this, this will help us in the process of overcoming distractions. You got to know, you got to have a serious commitment with the Lord. That's going to help you, because in this serious commitment with the Lord, uh, let's see here. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll say that in a minute, what I was just about to say. Serious commitment, commitment with the Lord Jesus Christ. Know him personally for yourself. Don't worry about anybody judging you. You judge yourself in your relationship with the Lord. All right? And then know that Satan is real. I talk about this a lot because you hear me say that in the spiritual realm, in the spirit realm, it's not just God and good. It's Satan and evil. We've got to know this. We have got to understand this. That Satan does prowl around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Another area of alertness that is key in this process of completing the task uh, for us and testifying to the gospel of God's grace is the area of Satan's devices. This area is key. The area of Satan's devices. So, again, I want to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 11, all right? And I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth. They're dealing with an offending brother. And they're dealing with, Paul tells them that they need to forgive him. The punishment, the discipline has been enough and that the church needs to forgive him and not discipline him anymore, all right? So you see, Satan can enter in if we're not careful he can enter in in areas where we're trying to do good or where we think we're doing the right thing. All right. So we have the counsel of scripture that will help us know that we're doing the right thing. So Paul says here, uh, and I read it to you earlier. Let's see. He says, another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. So he wanted them, what, what's the one thing here that he's talking about? That he wants them obedient in everything, but here he's getting ready to deal with a specific issue. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. He wants them to, to be obedient in the area of forgiveness. And 
what I, what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. So Paul is saying to the church, I want you to forgive this man. I've already forgiven him. You've explained the situation to me. They wrote, they wrote to him uh, and explained the situation. He instructed them to forgive. And now he's, in, he's pressing on them that they need to forgive this brother. He says, I've already forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul said, you've got to forgive this brother so that Satan doesn't enter in. He doesn't sneak in and out with us. So he doesn't create a bigger problem in the church that, than the one that we're already dealing with. Yep. So Satan is scheming. Uh, in, in another pass, in another translation, it says that we are not unaware of Satan's devices. We cannot afford to be ignorant of Satan's devices. There are things like forgiveness. Uh, this is a situation uh, in the church of Corinth that, that probably was personal only to a few people, but the whole is an issue that the church had to deal with because it came to the knowledge of the church and it affected believers. But forgiveness on a personal level, when it's one-on-one, -on -one, you and me have a problem, and uh, you do something wrong to me, I do something wrong to you. And it, it, in that arena, sometimes it's a problem to forgive. People have a serious problem in the body of Christ of forgiving other people. But this lack of forgiveness creates other things. Because you give Satan the opportunity to enter in. This is one of his devices to separate us and to divide us. So we become bitter. We become bitter. We become, we have hatred toward a person. All types of evil stuff comes up inside of us and separates us from the Lord. First of all, as it divides us, last week we talked about, uh, uh, uh fellowship, separating, um, the believers fellowship. Separating us from one another. Well, that's what a lack of forgiveness will do. And there are so many other devices that Satan uses that we cannot be ignorant of. He uses deception. He will deceive you. He will, he comes as an angel of light. He disguises himself as an angel of light. Paul says in Corinthians, he lies. Jesus said he is the father of lies. Yeah, yeah. He is a murderer. He, Satan uses all kinds of devices. He, listen, he doesn't, doesn't try to kill you physically all of the time, even though he may try to take you out physically. But he wants to destroy your good name. He wants to destroy your reputation. He wants to destroy your self-esteem. He does all kinds of things to demean you, to, to cause you to feel bad about yourself. He uses the tool of guilt. All types of schemes he uses. He brings confusion into the body of Christ to separate the body of Christ. You see what he did at Corinth with the gifts and how he, how he took what God well, use the people, okay, and use the gifts that God had given to divide the church. It was because of the people's pride. It was because of the people's unconfessed sin. But Satan entered in, and, and the gifts became, as they are today, a point of division among believers. And it should not be. Satan's schemes, Satan's devices that we cannot be ignorant of. We must be aware of Satan's devices if we're going to complete our task. I was talking with a friend of mine just the other day, and in the conversation, <clears throat> we got on some personal things. But one of the things that he said, he said, you know, Satan is going to do what Satan is going to do. All right. So that means we have to know Satan. We have to know what he's going to do. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to do that. But we must do what we must do. <clears throat> we need to be aware. All right. We need to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Peter said, resist him steadfast in the faith. So that means we need to be steadfast in the faith. And we resist the devil by being steadfast in the faith. Not shaky. You know, not up to date. 
and down tomorrow, in today, out tomorrow. We believe today, tomorrow we don't know what we believe. We need to be steadfast in the faith. Now we resist him. He's coming at us with all kinds of schemes. He's diabolical. He, he does things to wear the saints out. He'll come at you and play tricks on your mind. He calls God a liar. You've got to be aware of Satan's schemes. He wants to destroy you. He want, He's coming at your faith. Saints, he wants to destroy your faith. So whatever way, he'll use his attacks, he'll use afflictions, he'll use sickness, he'll use grief, the death of a loved one, to come in, and he'll take that opening to drive you away from the Lord. We've got to be aware of Satan's schemes, and we've got to know that we have a helper. I'm going to wrap this up today. I'm going to wrap this up. we got to overcome the distractions. They're going to come our way so that we can fulfill the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. As in Paul's day when he was alive and living and preaching, many people need to be saved. Today, many, many, many people need to be saved. God is looking for faithful witness, and he's given us help. We don't do this on our own. Holy Spirit is here to help us. John 14 and 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you helpless. He said, I'm going away to my father. It's expedient to you that if I go, that I go away. Because if I don't go, Holy Spirit will not come. But he, he's when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. He said, I'm going to send the helper. I won't leave you helpless. I won't leave you comfortless. We need to access him. We need to access him on this journey every day. If we're going to complete the task, we go in his strength, not our strength. We go in his wisdom, not our wisdom. We go in his power, not our power. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you should be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. Paul encourages us in Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So be filled in your everyday life. So we talked about this morning. Thank you, Elder Hoskins. We talked about this morning. In your everyday life, how you live every day, Holy Spirit fills you. So you can't live raggedy and expect to be filled. It's how you live. You're getting, you're getting re-energized. When I stood to preach tonight, my energy was down. Well, this is supposed to be this morning. You'll get a message, but I'm preaching it tonight. But as I ministered, Holy Spirit gave me a fresh and feeling. He gave me a fresh and feeling. So tonight, there's a task. There's a task that we must fulfill. We're going to walk through this throughout this year. We want to build the saints. We want to bring more people in, get more people saved, make more disciples. Because people need to hear this gospel. Here at home, yes. But other parts of the world where they never heard. We need people to go. We need to be able to send people. We need to be able to support people that are going. This task has to be completed. You have a part to play in this. You're not excluded. You belong to the Lord. Whether you've accepted him or not. Satan didn't create you. God created you. If you're not saved today, you're out of your place. Your place is in Christ. Your place is in the Lord and in his work. He's calling you. He's reaching out to you right now. He's reaching out to you. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's calling you. Come to him. You may not feel like you're laboring and your life is heavy laden, but when you sit back and think about it, a lot of times we've tried everything we know to try because there's an emptiness inside and we're trying to fill it and we can't fill it. 
that emptiness is the place for Holy Spirit to come, live in you, and live out the life of God through you. He can only come when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, the one who died on the cross for your sins, the one that God raised from the dead on the third day, that you might have everlasting life. He shed his blood to satisfy God's law that says a soul that sins shall surely die. Jesus died for you. God raised him to new life so that we can have life too. Will you accept Jesus tonight or today? If you will, pray this prayer along with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe what the preacher said. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he did it for me. He took my place. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. I accept your sacrifice. I accept you. Come into my life. Save me from my sin. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.